Good morning and welcome to Cairn Commons, a podcast of Cairn University promoting thoughtful Christianity. I'm joined today by Jared Kane, worship and youth pastor of Crossing Community Church in Newtown, Pennsylvania. Jeremy Michalak, pastor of youth and family ministry at Riverstone Church in Yardley, Pennsylvania. And Matt Michalak, director of the youth and family ministry program at Cairn University and pastor of youth and family ministry at Calvary Church in Bristol. I'm Ben Best, director of development at Cairn University and associate pastor at Warrington Fellowship Church. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for joining this morning. Our conversation was born out of an article uh, referencing a recent Pew Research study I was reading and sent along to all of you about what many perceive to be an exodus in American churches, both from Christianity and Orthodoxy more generally. We see uh, a huge rise in deconversion stories, particularly among the 18 to 35-year-old demographic. Among those that stay in the church, there is a decrease in the percentage of those who were Uh, interviewed who believe the Bible is the literal Word of God, authoritative in their lives in any measurable way. And this coincides with an increase of those who say that religious belief and faith is actually just a matter of personal opinion. So to that end, I'd like to ask some questions of you all around the topic of why the church still matters in 2023, especially as it relates to students, youth group ages 7 to 12, and college and young adults as well as those new college graduates just earning the workplace. So let's uh, gather around and have a conversation. Thanks for joining. I think I want to just simply start by saying how important the church is, not only to students, but to everyone. And I think that's because of that, it specifically is important for students. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the church is God's bride. Christ's bride. And that means that it's through his church that he is going to accomplish his plan to redeem and to restore. And so for the church, it means that the students need to be engaged, participating, but it first starts with transformation from a relationship with Christ to be a part of the church and this desire. Um, So participating in the church is a way that we can fulfill God's plan for the world and for each other, um, and also to be obedient to God's word. There's a lot of different things that God tells us through his word that happens only in and through the church, because it's part of his plan um, to redeem us. It's an amazing gift that God has given us to be able to be a part of this community, this family, to be adopted into his family as part of the church. Um, So yes, it is extremely important for our students to be a part of the church still today in 2023. Absolutely. And Jesus is building his church by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's happening. We can see it all around the world in miraculous ways that the Holy Spirit is working to call people to himself. So we get upset when we see numbers going this way and that way. But one thing we can be sure of, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's critically important for us to understand the centerpiece that God has put into place, not a show, not a production, but a community of believers called out from the world who love the Lord with all their heart and who are willing to lay down their very lives to serve him, that's the church. And I think some of the confusion over the numbers is because we've been confused about what the church is. It is not a show. It's not how many come into the auditorium to watch. The church is a community of believers called out on mission by the power of the Holy Spirit 
to make disciples and to impact the whole world. So yes, the church is critically important. I don't even know why I'm here. Jeremy and Matt just got it. But um, I totally agree that the the church matters, like Jeremy said, because of um, that's how God accomplishes everything through his through his bride. And I, I think to put it more plainly, the church still matters because God says it matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's uh it's the means by which he um, restores all things. And he calls us to, like Matt said, uh, to mission by the power and working of his spirit to uh, help disciple others, to uh, bring spiritual authority over believers. Um, And I was reading a a similar article from Tim Challies, and one of the points he made was uh, it's the place at which it helps believers grow. Like it's the it's the central place where believers gather together as the bride of Christ to grow in um, in their spiritual habits, their their understanding of the word. Um, I mean, education, biblical education, happens there. You know, uh, not just not just there. We know that parents are the main disciples of their children and the, and their homes. Uh, but biblical education happens in the church. So why, in your estimation, there's any number of reasons we could give, we could talk about any number of studies that we've all researched, any any number of cultural issues that have come out as a, as a result of this. But um, what are some of the reasons, especially in your ministries, as you've talked with your students, as you've talked with other people in and around your ministries, why are students and young people leaving the church in what seems like record numbers? So when I'm thinking about our students, as a youth pastor, and I see them grow up in the church, being exposed to the gospel, there's various different reasons why a student might leave the church or denounce their faith. Um, But what I see commonly is the students never engaged in the church. Mm -hmm. They're here once a month, Sunday mornings, they suit up with their soccer equipment or their field hockey gear, and they're gone the next three weeks on different things. And the church never really mattered to them or made a difference in them personally or in their families' lives. Um, So the commitment to the church, I think, impacts the reasons why they may stay or may, may not stay. I think another thing is in my responsibilities of leading a youth ministry, I think there's a little bit of a paradox because we start to wonder why are students leaving the church? And so we start to make programs for specific age groups like our students. And in doing so, we're in a way teaching them, this is just for you. And when they graduate, they're looking for exactly what they experienced in youth ministry, and they're not going to find it. Mm. instead of helping them to know the youth ministry is not a program, we're not a club separate from the church, but we are a part of the church. And our goal should not just be to entertain or disciple them in this vacuum of a youth ministry program, but to help them get connected to the church Mm. so that they have these long-term relationships and understand what the purpose of the church is for themselves. I'll piggyback off of that because I think that's a hundred percent right. Like, so often, uh, 
I mean, many years, like Matt has taught us when I was in uh, the youth ministry program here at Karen. It's like, it's, it's not just pizza and dodgeball. <laughs> like, that's not the goal. Like, the goal is to uh, come alongside families to to help uh, mom and dad with that extra peg in the stool to to disciple the kids and then and give them tools and resources to do that and to be there as a shepherd with with their families to connect them to the larger body. Um, it's n- it's not good enough for us to play games and um, tell the students at when they come, well, invite your friends and share Jesus. And then that's it. They need the Bible. They need the gospel. They need, uh, they need connection with, uh, 65-year-old Dave in the church to, uh, also mentor them, like to come alongside them and their families to connect them to the larger scope of, um, their local church, but even larger than that, the global church. And uh, I think that's been missed. I think I'm encouraged, though. Um, I think many of the people that I'm involved with, like Jeremy and Matt, see that. And they see the the need for, have always seen the need for um, high schoolers to be uh, immersed uh, with the church. And not just to be connected, but to serve her, to serve the body mm-hmm. in the larger scope of things. In an excellent Mm -hmm. article in the Journal of Youth Ministry, it was from the spring of 2022, Mark Canister, who is a professor at Gordon College, wrote an article called The Inward Turn of Church-Based Youth Ministry. And in the article, he points out a very important fact, which is that a lot of the talk about young people leaving the church is based upon three studies One is a Gallup study, one was from Lifeway, and another one was from the National Study of Youth and Religion. And a lot of the articles that talk about the sort of frantic panic that we have looking at younger people leaving the church are based upon those three studies. But he looked at them more in more detail and analyzed them and noticed some real flaws in the study design. What he noticed was that they don't differentiate between students or young people who are deeply affiliated with the church versus those who are just casually affiliated. And when those are accounted for and some less popular studies looked at that, they looked at those that were more deeply committed to their churches and those who were just casually committed, there was no drop off Mm -hmm. statistically. So I think sometimes we get caught in this panic looking at the studies and his point, Canister's point, is that we're built on a culture of fear and panic. So that's what catches our attention. So people are writing to that because it gets looks and gets likes rather than looking at the facts, which is that there are committed young people who are staying with their faith. Mm -hmm. Of course, we see drop off, as Jeremy mentioned, in our own groups. But oftentimes this is the factor. Were they ever committed? Were they ever really in with both feet? And did we just entertain them or were they really discipled? So this is a hard question and one that brings us really to the heart of the matter. As we think about the idea of discipleship and and one of the crucial um, determining factors in the likelihood of students to stay is discipleship throughout their lives by their parents. Certainly the the priority that mom and dad uh, and their parents and their families 
uh, in any family scenario, place on not just church attendance, but church involvement and service, as we've discussed, as being one of the linchpin things that can determine, or is far likelier, a determining factor of persistence in uh, not leaving their faith. How can parents and pastors and even educators, as we talk about people like professors and those in Bible Bible schools in the uh, elementary and uh, secondary level, how can we come alongside and help toward that end? First off, like intentionally integrating uh, youth, young adults, children's ministries is important. Like at my church, uh, we've been kind of figuring out what that means. And I mean, some examples, at least in our culture and in our scenario, is we don't have children's ministry once a month. Like that's one of the things that we talked about. And um, that once a month is the first of the month where the children and, um, you know, our program is like, like toddlers and and babies all the way up uh, to fifth grade, they'll be in the service with us. They're going to participate in watching their parents take communion, watching us uh, do the the things that the church does in remembering of, of what Christ has done for us. And so that's a small thing. And I don't think there's like a, you know, an A plus B equals C thing. It's uh, it's kind of holistic. You, we, and I think it's a, a mind shift. You have to start thinking instead of like Jeremy pointed out earlier, um, kind of like siloing off the age demographics and groups, and then start having them serve one another. Uh, another thing that our church did um, was on Wednesdays we used to only do like youth ministry alone. It was like, it went from Wednesdays, Sundays, Fridays. uh, But then we started to do a midweek children's thing and then uh, adult equip classes at our church where it engages the whole family to be there together. Like we'll have a dinner in the front end to, to, for everybody, like little babies to, like I said, 65 year old Dave come in and just like eat together and talk together and meet with people that you usually don't meet with. And the relational things, I think there are important. I think that they're missed because we don't think they're important, but I think they are. I mean, the church is built on relationship to God and each other. And so I, I think that, and then I think quickly so that Matt and Jeremy uh, can can ch- jump in, is that um, we can't be, we can't be okay with just shallow Christianity. We can't be okay with just like, checking the boxes. Um, and so in terms of like youth group, um, like I was talking about, bring the hard stuff, youth workers, bring the Bible, bring the strange hard parts of the Bible to the students, make them reach for it because the world is making them reach for things like radical gender ideology, you know, radical, uh, race theory, radical, uh, like, just compartmentalizing their identity when it is it is harmed them. It has harmed young people. It's harmed uh, high school students. It's harmed even young young adults. Like I'm even now, I have friends who I'm 30 now who have totally left the church. Like I've seen them baptized 
and they've totally deconstructed. I think they were sold a shallow Christianity. And I, I, I think they bought into something that they really weren't committed to, and they really didn't serve the church. Jared talks about a lot of relational components to this and building values and habits that we can help our students to understand so that they can see what is needed. I, Jared, you also talked about how before at the beginning of this, that we need to need the church. Mm. And as a youth pastor and now as a father too, I see my responsibility to teach my children, my students to need the church. Um, at the same time, I cannot change hearts. <laughs> Parents cannot change our no. kids' hearts. Yep. And we need to desperately need the church ourselves first, and we need God. And it starts with humbly submitting ourselves before him daily in prayer. I mean, if there's one thing coming out of this, I pray that we would pray for the church in America, because we desperately need to need God and the church. And as we see children growing up, believing that the church is about fun games and about building friendships, those are good things. Those are good things. But if that's all that they're coming away with, right, they're not understanding what faith means, understanding that we are going to suffer and see suffering but how we endure and persevere because we have a faith that relies on the hope of the gospel from Jesus Christ, that's what's going to matter. And so if I can think of anything that we ought to be doing, right, is <clears throat> praying for our children and teaching them what they should need. And it starts with us, that we come not to church to check off a box. We don't dress up nicely and try to talk one way on a Sunday morning, and then on Monday to Friday to Saturday, we're talking a different way mm -hmm. and living a totally different life. It's because we've experienced the love of Christ and been transformed. And so everything that we do, the way that we talk to our spouses, to our friends, what we do when we get home and we're tired, do we open up our phone and just sit there and look at it ourselves and then expect our teenagers to do something different? Or are we mindful that everything that we do is impacting those around us and we care so much about Jesus and our kids that we need to know that we need God first and it changes our priorities and it changes our patterns and habits and what we do when we are teaching our kids throughout and I love that the word of God tells us these things encourages us and helps us to know how to live a godly life because in our own, we don't understand, we don't know, and we, we want to live for us. Mm. And that's what I see in our cultures. We're fighting this culture about me. Everything's about me. And if it's not about me, then it's not worth my time. But that's not what the gospel is. Mm. It's about Christ and his kingdom and his love and how he can change us and take dead people and make us alive and new. And that's what we want to see. That's what we desire. And that's what we desperately need for us first and for our kids. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. In fact, that's the one thing I was going to center on also in my answer is the supernatural character of Christian regeneration and growth. That it's not a mechanical process. It's not based upon how many people we can crowd into a room. It's got the Holy Spirit's work and prayer plays such an important part in that. A funny thing happens when we don't pray nothing. 
<laughs> and it's not very funny, is it? No. And maybe we've all experienced that. But it is amazing when we do pray intentionally, both personally and corporately, how God does answer. And maybe we're looking for the answers now because we're praying earnestly. But it is true, everyone. Prayer is powerful because it changes us. It changes our whole perspective. And I'll, I'll never forget many years ago in one of the ministries I was leading, we had maybe 50 or 60 crazy kids running around, teenagers, and wondering what we're going to do with them. And one of the dads came up to me and said, Matt, I know this is kind of a weird idea and it probably wouldn't work, but what if I invite all the parents who are dropping their kids off to youth group to come to my house? He lived two blocks from the church. What if I invited them all into my living room during youth group and we get on our knees and we pray? And I couldn't, I, I was just floored. I thought this was the best idea I've ever heard. And I have to tell you that this sounds like it couldn't be true, but I'm telling you the truth. On that night, our group changed. When they started to pray, the Lord started to powerfully answer. And I think it was two parts. I think it was their prayer, obviously, but I think their prayer changed them as parents. It helped them to become much more aware of their everyday influence on their own children. And literally, our ministry moved forward on our knees. I, I, I feel that this is important because many churches used to have prayer meetings and no longer do. And I want to encourage all of our listeners, parents, pastors, youth pastors, uh, people in your congregation, begin a prayer meeting. It can begin very simply, just with a few people, but start to pray and notice how God answers very specifically when you pour out your heart and cry out to him. So I, I agree completely with what these guys are saying. Many things we can try, but I think that's at the heart of what we need to do. And I'm encouraged by these responses because I think even me personally, a tendency is to get updated on what is trending in youth culture mm -hmm. and understand our teens and what they're going through. Those are all good things too, but we need to start at a much more foundational level with understanding who God is and how amazing God is and how he works. Yeah. And we don't necessarily need to know everything about youth culture. We don't have to be have this special gift to relate to students, mm -hmm. to be able to help serve the church and help our students grow in their faith. Mm -hmm. the, the perennial thing is that they need to be shown Jesus, right? Over and mm -hmm. over in every opportunity. This is one of the things that we've talked with our parents about. I'm certain that you guys would encourage other youth pastors and pastors, uh, Sunday school teachers to think about educators. Uh, the, the thing that the last time Matt and I talked on the podcast, I mentioned that every single year, uh, when we gather our parents and talk through what the next year looks like, I always remind them that, and this would be to educators and and uh, youth pastors like us as, as well, the priorities that we have in our lives are discipling our children. They're discipling our youth students. They're discipling our students at the university level. Um, they're discipling the students. If you're a Bible professor or an English professor or a teacher in a public school, we are discipling our students in the way in which we prioritize life, in the, which we, the way in which we value Christ and, and show 
that through our lives towards Christ or away from. But we are discipling students, mm -hmm. and especially as parents, the, the priorities that they make and how they decide to serve the church or lack thereof um, is in many ways discipling their children towards or away from Christ. There is an important place for continued growth after high school. Jeremy mentioned this. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes parents underestimate how well their students are, pre their children are prepared for adult life after high school. Mm. And so they don't really consider the environment that will surround them in a secular university, yeah. which is very, very powerful in a negative way. And I just, I, I really believe that considering a strong biblical education that's integrated with an excellent education is something that should be very valuable to every Christian parent, mm -hmm. especially in today's culture. I have seen it here. This, this place, lives are transformed when students encounter the word of God in every classroom. They receive an excellent education, but with the center in the Lord Jesus Christ in his word. Mm -hmm. And I see incredible strides in growth. Do some students still deconstruct? They do, but it is in the vast minority. Many students grow leaps and bounds while they're here in ways they never thought possible. And my heart aches for students that I know who seem to be strong Christians, but who were immersed in a secular environment that isn't neutral and it eroded their faith. So I think it's something that uh, parents should really consider. There is a difference also between a Christian college that calls itself Christian in name and students really only get one or two classes, token classes in something about the Bible, but the curriculum is not integrated. I really believe in a strong biblical education as a building block for all of life. Matt, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's it's something that we're all incredibly proud of being recipients of through uh, our involvement or our education at Cairn University. Um, one of the questions I have that I, I'd love to discuss is, uh, so we we talked even, Matt, at the beginning, you talked about uh, the need for discipleship and also the the understanding of uh, the, the difference between maybe what we would call the visible church and those that may show up and attend. But may end up falling away uh, at some point or decide that they really have deconstructed, they never really believed this to begin with. Um, while the trend may look alarming in that 18 to 35-year-old demographic, it's one of the things that um, we're seeing across age groups um, that I think would just be you know, wise to at least acknowledge um, in in those instances where, where we're looking at people that are 60 that are deconverting and people that are 35 and 40 and 45 that are deconverting, this is not just a youth and young people phenomenon. Uh, the question I would have is if we see this uprise and uptick in the 18 to 35 uh, demographic, there's not a lot of people that are asking the question, well, what about the 16-year-old and the 15-year-old and the 13-year-old and the 5-year-old? The answer still remains largely the same, questions of discipleship, et cetera. But in those instances, uh, what's missing? Is it faith? Is it proper discipleship? Are people walking away from the church because of that uh, super fancy, awesome word of the mid-2000s growth movement, authenticity, or the lack thereof? You know, for the longest time, people were looking for 
authenticity and vulnerability and organic relationships and then suddenly didn't find it and then decided to walk their way out of Christianity? What, in your estimation, are some of the reasons for this? Every student is different and has different doubts and struggles and thoughts about faith and has a different faith journey. Um, I can speak just from my own experience, um, even growing up as a teenager. And as I think about when I was younger, what changed me was spending time in the Word of God. Mm. Um, I remember there was a time in my life where I just committed to reading through the New Testament. I didn't really have any big goals, but it was a time where I fell in love with God's Word mm. and just letting that change me. Um, and it's become a lifelong habit because I love God's Word. And um, I, it makes me wonder um, how much of many of my students love the Word of God um, or spending time because they love God's Word. And I know it's not something that can be manufactured, um, but there's habits that we can develop that we can teach ourselves to be committed to because our default setting is to not do that, to not spend time in things that don't seem to give us much results right away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a culture of convenience and consumerism. And so if, if we don't see results right away, if it's not easy, um, then we're not going to be desiring to do it. So sometimes we need to practice and set time apart to just spend in something as simple as being alone with God, spending time reading his word, even if we're not sure what we're reading, but writing down questions and notes and things and being able to talk to somebody else about these things, um, we need to set that time apart to do those things, to battle the culture of convenience and consumerism that we're seeing. Often one of the things I'll hear from students and, and people uh, sometimes in our church is like, I, I didn't really get anything from that. Like when I'm reading, I just don't, I'm not getting anything from reading my Bible. And um, often I challenge our students is that just read it to learn about your heavenly father. Like no extra goals. Like you said, you, you didn't have a goal. He's just reading it to know more about God. The very imprint of his character, who he is, is given to us. Like what an awesome gift. And um, I think a lot of times it's scary. I think it's scary for high school students. They pick up this dusty book. They're like, what do I do with this? Like, I'm reading these words. Like, Paul's really hard to understand. I'm like, well, don't start in Romans probably, you know. Um, but, you know, just read just read it to, to know more about him. And like you said, like taking notes, at, you know, asking questions and writing those down and going to somebody uh, who is maybe more learned or kind of like thought through these things more. But I think that's such a crucial element that's missed um, that I impress on my students is that don't go with a goal. Don't like just fall in love with his word. Just, just read his word for what it is. And over time, you'll, you'll fall more in love with it and you'll you'll start to understand things more. The, the Spirit will give you more understanding and He will guide you through the passages and He will work in your heart to hide the Word of God there. 
so that when difficult suffering times come, they'll crop back up. I think another thing is creating the safe space to talk about these mm-hmm. things because, mm-hmm. you know, the article that we read was talking about how people are reading and seeing and hearing stories of other people deconstructing their faith. And it's creating a space, especially on the internet, social media, that it, it, it offers something that um, sometimes can be difficult to find a safe space to relinquish your thoughts or to believe something that might not be what everybody else around you believes. And so we need to, in the church, understand that we need to have safe spaces for people to share and to struggle and to have doubts about mm-hmm. who Christ is and what they really believe about the Bible and faith and be able to ask those hard questions and simply let them do that and then help yeah. them and guide them in what's true and what's right. And I, I agree with everything that you guys have said, and you probably have seen like I have that the, really it breaks down into two large groups, right? One are students that are deconstructing intentionally. Uh, there's a thought process involved, right? One Pew study from 2016 found that about 50% of those people they give excuses of that the science doesn't line up with Bible, uh, that there's a lack of evidence, things like that. So they're thinking uh, 20% of those, they disagree with organized religion. They don't like the hierarchy. The church is filled with hypocrites, things like that. But a large percentage are just unsure as to why. And that's the second, one group is thinking. The other group that I've noticed are just distracted. They're not thinking about it. They just wander away and they get enticed by other things or other activities. And that's the reason. There wasn't a deconstruction. It was just kind of a wandering. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes maybe we're afraid to talk about it. But someone said this. They said that the Bible will keep us from sin or sin will keep us from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we tend not to want to talk about sin, but it plays a role in all this. That as people wander away from the Lord, they don't necessarily want to be part of a congregation of believers. And I think that accountability plays a part, but the overall, I think the big word is influence. What are the big influences? Is it social media and looking good on social media? Is it the friends that we have that are luring us away? What are the influences? And if we can identify that and help students to think through that, I think it's a big answer to this question. It's easy to sit there and, and kind of paint this picture of doom and gloom. And, and you look at the any any research report out there is going to have its bias that that shows that, you know, Christianity and, and organized religion across so many spheres is plummeting and the rise of secularism, etc. It's easy to paint this picture of fear. Um but there's also, I think, as evidenced in just even locally, our ministries that, that we're all involved in, and, and we all know each other's ministries well enough, there's also a lot to be really excited about because the Lord is at work. Um, could you speak to just the, the reality that, yeah, there are times where there's this may point to a sign of a greater issue or maybe a rise in people that were good moral people that that were there uh, to attend church and have somehow along the way decided that they really never believed something. Uh, some people would say COVID accelerated this rate, and that's why we're seeing a large amount of, of churches shrinking and not having new people come in. Um, but again, that's that's the doom and gloom perspective. 
The other side of the picture says Christ is at work, the Holy Spirit is at work, the church is growing globally faster than ever. Um, there's much to be thankful for. But what would, in your mind, be the trends in youth ministry that you're excited about, that you see uh, positive projection about, and that you're looking forward to seeing how God uses youth ministry in the next decade? Yeah, I think we can be very optimistic about the church because the Holy Spirit's working. Mm -hmm. And I think the bottom line is that we don't have to base that on results. Mm -hmm. If nothing happens, we can still delight in the glory of God, in the power of the cross, and the life that comes through the resurrection. So I think we do get very results oriented in our culture and base things and encouragement on what's happening, what we can see, what we can measure. I think we need to kind of train ourselves to realize I can be excited about the Lord and he is working maybe in ways I can't even see. I'm gonna to continue to be faithful and to love him regardless of what the results look like. I think what excites me is the small moments that we see fruit in our students. Um, and I think we need to change our expectations or what we view as fruit and measure it against the word of God and what he says is fruit. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, yeah. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not a level of attendance or it's not, um, they they got an A plus on some kind of assignment or something like that in their Bible class. Um, but the little moments that we see in our students where they share, I talked with somebody today about Jesus. They weren't interested in youth group, but I still spoke Jesus's name in my class. Or I prayed this weekend for the first time. I spoke out loud. Um, I did something kind for my brother or my sister. It seems something, it seems so simple, but those little moments is the work of God. As Matt said, it's the Holy Spirit working that we can be excited about, and He is choosing to use us. I still don't understand why, but He is choosing to use us to accomplish His plan. Um, and so to see the, the little bits of fruit in our students is so exciting because it means that God is at work and he is. He is working in and through our students, and he loves them so much. And if I could encourage our students, anybody who's listening that might be a teenager, um, God loves you so much, and he desires to work in and through you. And I think sometimes our students get frustrated because they read about these characters in the Bible, and they're like, I am not like Daniel. I am not like David. I am not like Jesus. But it begins with a heart like that, that is humble and says, I want to be used by God. I want to love him with my life. And if that just means that I need to be kind to those around me and speak truth to them to stand up for what's right, then that's how God can use me in my classes, in my family. Um, and that's exciting for me. I think there's a lot to be excited about. We could talk about the division that's happened the last few years or the, you know, the differences in social issues and political issues, but I think it's because of those things that God has made the harvest even more ripe, you know, like so many more opportunities. Uh, they may be a little more volatile, I'll give you that, but so many more opportunities for, uh, for students and all of us to be involved with our communities and our neighbors and to talk um, openly 
about the glories of the gospel of Jesus. And uh, one of the things that I've been particularly excited about in our in our ministry in particular, just a, such a hunger for God's word, like um, amazing discipleship from our from their parents. Like our students are like growing in like ways. Like I, I don't know that I can keep up. I'll give you an example is like beginning of the year, I usually ask them, well, what are some things you guys are struggling with? And we, and we write them down. What are some things you guys want to learn and walk through this year? And so they were all, all kinds of stuff from like, you know, how do we live as Christians in today's society and culture and engage with people? You know, how do we, how do we show, you know, our Christian faith to our unbelieving friends and, and what's up with revelation? You know, like, what do we do with that? Like they're, they're engaging in, in really awesome ways to the point where like uh, me and um, my, my volunteer staff, we're going to, we're walking through Daniel now, actually, you know, walking through what's it, what does it mean to, to follow God in a culture that seems to hate God? Like, how do we do that in a gracious and loving way? And, you know, how do we, how do we battle with temptations and how do we, how do we live in, in light of the gospel? And, and also um, live like a Christian, you know, we're going to walk through James and they're challenging me to walk through Revelation. So, you know, there's, there are a lot of really great things, but I think that's one of the things I've been most encouraged by is um, in my context and the students that I'm involved with and I'm talking to, a deep hunger for God's word, uh, more than I've noticed in the seven years I've been at my church, like a deep, longing hunger like really good questions from from sixth graders like sixth graders to 12th grade where they just want to know they want to know god and that's exciting to me yeah i don't know if my colleagues here would agree with me but i have found that this present generation is very challenging in fact i think in some ways when i compare youth ministry 40 years ago 30 years ago 20 years ago, 10 years ago. This is more challenging than anything I've ever experienced before. And I just want to acknowledge that for maybe others who feel like I do, who are listening and who are feeling that and maybe discouraged, but it's never been more important. Mm. And I think one of the things that we see, which is encouraging, is an inward focus on our students that are part of our church to help them to grow, to help their families to become strong, but I just want to warn us also that the gospel calls us to go forth. Traditionally, youth ministry was outwardly focused also in evangelism and reaching kids that don't know the Lord. And many youth pastors have turned inward. So because of the forces around them, both within their church that are kind of forcing them or asking them to do that, to focus only on church kids, also, the culture around us that's becoming more and more antagonistic to the gospel, and don't they don't trust us. Mm -hmm. It's more difficult to reach out, but I think it's needed more than ever. So I just want to encourage everyone that's listening to, to look for opportunities to reach out beyond your present group, ways that we can enfold and to start conversations with students that don't have any access to the gospel at all. They're maybe the third generation in their family that have never gone to church. Mm -hmm. It's foreign to them. So I think there's a great opportunity, as both the men here said, and I think Ben agrees, great opportunities for us 
in this current culture. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your perspectives. You know, we can talk about at length any number of things, but I think this gives a, a good uh, spot to pause and then maybe look at the next opportunity to bring us all back together in the future. The reality is, as we've talked about, the church still matters in 2023, especially to students and, and young adults, because the bride of Christ will always matter. It is the church that he uses to accomplish the work of the ministry, to bring the gospel forth to a lost and dying world. Christ is still on his throne. He is still ruling and reigning. The Holy Spirit is at work in our churches and in the churches in this area and globally, all around the world, for the cause of Christ. We can be confident in this. And because Christ is at work, because he has given us the power of the Holy Spirit, we have hope. We have incredible hope that this, this incredible reality, the, the ability, the privilege that we get to be a part of church, to work in church, to be uh, involved in the lives of students, uh, will move forward well beyond our years, right? The, the man goes in the ground and the message moves on because the gospel, and especially Jesus Christ, is worth serving. And this, our hope relies. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you. Our pleasure.